Society takes us over. What's the best damn movie related show on the planet Earth? The John Campion Show coming to you from right here on my YouTube channel. I'm, of course, your host, John Campion. It is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, guys, that you would spend some of your time here today hanging out with us to talk about our favorite things in the world, movies and movie news, a little bit of television, a few good things here and there. And joining us today, as always, it's an honor and privilege to have the one and the only Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. Robert, how are you doing today, sir? John, you know, uh, I, I I can't believe we're on the cusp of September. I know. I mean, right? my God. <laughs> it's the last what day of August. Year. I can't believe it. Although, I got to say, 2020 cannot get in our rearview mirror any like fast enough. It cannot uh, get yeah. in our rearview mirror uh, fast enough. And guys, I want to welcome you here today and, and, and say thank you for being here. And today's show is going to be a little bit different. We have but one main topic uh, that we're going to discuss here in just a second. But normally... Here on the John Campus Show, we take main topics. And how do we take our main topics here on the John Campus Show? Well, you see, it's really rather simple. You guys come up with them by simply going anytime, 24-7, over to www.thejohncampiashow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. Hit submit. And then maybe, just maybe, you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on the John Campia show. Then, of course, in the second half of the show, we're going to be taking your live comments and questions. You can start sending those in now if you wish or anytime 24-7 really by using the tip link at the top of the description of this video that you can see or right here manually, streamelements.com slash movieblogtv slash tip. Now, normally in the John Campia show, we have about, you know, four or five main topics that we like to discuss. Today, we're just talking about one. There's not a lot of intro or segueing or setup we need to do. Uh, obviously, we're here today to talk about the passing of uh, one of the more gifted actors of our generation, uh, Chadwick Boseman. And I was like many of you and most of you, Friday, uh, sitting around. I think I was actually watching Bill and Ted 3, Rob. I think yes. I was actually in the process of watching Bill and Ted 3 when my phone started to explode. And uh, I looked down and uh, I had uh, my wife, Ann, and her buddy were, were sitting there and it's like, oh, my God. And they're like, what? Chadwick Boseman died. And a part of the power of the gut punch that that was came invariably from the fact that it was such a surprise. None of us were expecting today to find out that Chadwick Boseman had passed away. I mean, we never do. But you know, like when Don Rickles passed away, one of the funniest pure comedians of all time. But when he passed away, while we were sad and we weren't shocked, I, I mean, Don Rickles had led a, a full, rich, successful life and he had had his time. It's There's, there's something... That goes along with the surprise, but also the tragedy of it when you realize you're talking about somebody who only got to live half of that life and, and the gifts that he gave us with the performances he had. And Rob, it, what's really interesting is that when you look at Chadwick Boseman's career and really his career only started getting its real footing about, about a decade ago, it was only really about 10 years ago that he really got his, his career really firing on all cylinders. As you look at his career, it wasn't just playing some great characters here and there. They were always significant, like characters of cultural significance. He brought to life figures, important figures 
for a new generation that had never had them brought to life on the screen before, whether you're talking about Jackie Robinson or whether you're talking about James Brown or whether you're talking about Through Good Marshall or, or whether you're talking about even some fictional characters had this really shade of, of cultural importance to them, whether you're talking about like his character in Five Bloods or whether obviously you're talking about T'Challa as the Black Panther. And we'll talk about that in just a little bit. But Rob, before we get into some details about, about his career and, and some of our favorite moments and, and roles of Chadwick Boseman, just your thoughts, where were you, your first initial reaction when you heard about it, where were you at? Well, yeah, I mean, I like you, I, I was on online um, and it, 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 it popped up. Like, I, I think I was there right when I got a, a – it had just popped up. Nobody had said anything to me. I hadn't heard it. And I was one of the first people, at least watching at the time, the news hadn't – you know how it, – it's like when something happens, it's like throwing a rock into a pond. Uh, the initial splash occurs, and then all it all ripples out. And it was one of those things when I first read it, I thought, well, I didn't believe it. It was another one of those internet hoaxes. But then after a cursory glance, it had been reported by a few different places, but not not by the wider industry yet. But I realized it was being reported by places I knew it was real. And I have to say, man, you know, it's very strange. And this is such an odd thing. But I, you know, I have my love of Hot Toys figures and I have a little Black Panther display. I have Black Panther and the Throne of Wakanda and Shuri, and Shuri is sitting in the throne and, and Black Panther's leaning behind her. And it, the Black Panther figure has Chad's face, Chadwick Boseman's face, and he's holding his Black Panther helmet. And I walk past it every morning. And it's just one of those things that, you know, you just see, and it, it, I put it where it is because I, I like to see. It reminds me of, I don't know, good in the world. So I basically see a representation of his face every morning and I'm like, I just assumed, like everybody, that I was looking forward to Black Panther 2. I was looking forward to the rest of his career. I mean, I loved Get On Up. I thought he was amazing in that. But he has such a, a presence. And, you know, he was extremely highly educated uh, in terms of uh, he wanted to direct, you know, his. And I really thought that he would be one of these actors that would go on like Ben Affleck and, and be an actor director. Um, you know, Chris Evans has directed and, uh, but I, you could see that whenever you saw him speak, there was a commencement address he gave, I think in 2018, he was a really smart guy. And, and I think that he brought that to his roles and I was really looking forward. I, I just liked him. I liked his presence. I liked the way he looked. He just looked cool on screen, you know, and, and I, I just thought he would kind of always be here and I figured oh he's somebody whose career I'm going to be watching literally for the rest of my life and I was really really shocked by this more so than I than I thought and then as the details emerged and as his family released the statement explaining that he had been battling cancer for four years the amount the wherewithal the, the strength not just of character, but the strength of is, is of a human being to endure chemotherapy and to endure multiple surgeries and still go to work every day. And still, I mean, forget the fact, forget he was black, forget that he was only 43. 
there are seldom I have heard about human beings that have endured that kind of physical adversity and managed to fight back in, in such a way. And I think that's how I will remember him. That's how I will remember him as a human being. Like, my God, the kind of pain and the knowledge that his cancer went from stage three to stage four. And that guy fought and fought and fought and turned out some incredible performances in the face of the ultimate adversity. Uh, what, what an example of the power of the human spirit. And that's that's how I can remember him, I guess. Yeah, I still and, hate know, that he's gone. I it's still not real. You know what I mean? Like it's still not real. Um, I remember like one of the things that I, I said this on open mic on Saturday. Say after the initial shock and surprise of it, I was instantly hit with this wave of being impressed. I mean, like for everything that you just said. I mean, knowing that he had been battling this for years and that he continued to work and and also impressed because. There was a selfish part of me, Rob, that kind of wish he had let us know that he was sick so that, you know, all of us, all this outpouring we're seeing now, we could have, he could have received it. Like, I, I wish we as a collective could have had an opportunity to, to say all this to him while he was here. But aside from that little selfish impulse, like the amount of admiration you have to have for this guy who wanted the focus not to be on his illness. He wanted the focus to be on his work and on the art and on yeah. the stories they were telling. He wanted the story and the message of the five bloods to be what people were talking about. He didn't want people talking about his illness. He wanted, you know, the work to be standing on its own. And, and when you think about that, it's like, I mean, Hot damn, man. I stub my toe and I'm bitching about it for an hour and a half to anybody who will listen to me cry about it. And um, the fact that that he worked through that is is just incredible. And once I moved past, I started reflecting a little bit on, on his career. And I remember because the first time in an odd little connection, Rob, the first time I ever saw Chadwick Boseman work was actually in our friend Aaron Cummings show. Aaron had a show on ABC for a while called Detroit 187. And that was that was the uh, probably the earliest appearance he had um, that that I would have seen would have been uh, him. Uh, that was a, a show they did with uh, Imperioli there. And then, of course, everybody talked about 42. I did. I'm not going to lie, Rob. I didn't love 42. I didn't think the overall story of it did Jackie Robinson quite justice, but the performance yeah. of Chadwick Boseman in that, like reminding a new generation that, hey, kids, it wasn't that long ago that this is how people were treated. And this is what a hero like Jackie Robinson had to endure and do to help get us to I mean, we're not in a perfect place today, but at least an improved place because of characters like this. And he brought that to life for us. I was really impressed with him in that. I mean, he wasn't a, a name right on the tip of my tongue after this, but I was really impressed. Like, who's this kid playing Jackie Robinson? But Rob, I got to tell you, for me, it was after I saw him in, uh, what was it? What's the director? Tate Tatum? No, not Tatum. Uh, Tate Taylor. Tate Taylor, who also directed The Help, directed the James Brown film get on up it was get on up 
with Chadwick Boseman playing James Brown that I went, F everything. This guy's going to have Oscars on his mantle someday. Like I've only seen like, I didn't remember him Detroit, but at that time, like I'd only seen him in this in 42, but holy hell, this kid, he's going to have Oscars on his mantle someday. And it was because of that, that a little while later, when I went down into uh, Hollywood onto Hollywood Boulevard to the El Capitan theater to see this live presentation in person with Kevin Feige to talk about Marvel phase three, the MCU phase three and all that kind of stuff. And they had made the announcement that Chadwick Boseman was going to be black Panther. Now, understandably, because not everybody had seen 42, not everybody had watched get on up understandably at the time when that announcement was made, there was a lot of fans going who, Right, like, like who? But I remember I was doing movie talk at the time. I remember getting on and go, "Guy, this is the guy who played James Brown and Jackie Robinson. This is going to be awesome." And I, I'll never forget, Rob. I, I can't remember if if you were there if you saw the footage of this, but on stage at the El Capitan, they had Chris Evans on stage on one side, and they had Robert Downey Jr. on stage on the other. And they had Chadwick Boseman standing in the middle with, with Cap and Iron Man each grabbing one arm and tug-of-warring with them, kind of like they did with Spider-Man the comics. And obviously, that's not really what his role was in Civil War. But still, it was a great visual. It was an awesome moment. And then, of course, he went on and he did Five Bloods, which, listen, if it wasn't for the fact that Delroy Lindo gave definitely an Oscar nomination worthy performance, maybe an Oscar winning performance in it. I think more people would have been talking about Chadwick Boseman in a relatively admittedly smaller role. It was definitely a supporting role, but he was fantastic in that. And again, another important character, a significant character, a character with a message. And Rob, we would of course hear Chadwick Boseman talk about the fact, I remember this one interview and I think you and I were talking about it before where he specifically said, you know, I want to do, roles that are important to my people. And then he stopped and said, to be clear, black people is what he, what he said. And then you stand back. Now, a lot of actors and artists and professionals talk about what they want their work to be. But when you look at Chadwick Boseman's work and you step back, you're like, you know what? He really did it. Like whether yeah. it was even the movie I, I didn't like so much, like 21 Bridges. But when you look at things like 42 or Marshall or whatever, Defy Bloods, he really did do it. He he took on roles and portrayed things that he felt were important. And of course, nothing more. We haven't start, even started talking about Black Panther yet. Obviously, nothing more significantly and culturally relevant than what he did with Black Panther. But Rob, as you look back on his work w without getting into Black Panther yet, because that's obviously the, the big thing we'll talk about here. What stands out to you when you look back at uh, the work that Chadwick Boseman gave us? Well, I think that that one of the things that I admire about him, too, is is he was in, you know, he worked in episodic television for almost a decade before he did 42. Yes, he did. So he, you know, he came out of college, I believe he went to Howard University. So he was he was really on a path where he wasn't somebody who had overnight success. I mean, he was grinding it out, going to those auditions, and he was in cool stuff. Like, he was in an episode of Fringe, you know, the science fiction show Fringe, yep. which I liked. And he did a lot of – he had a lot of roles. So he really was – he was in it for the long term. You know, he was a guy that made a decision early on, like, okay, I'm going to go into this. And while I know he was on the directing track in college, I think that he knew that he would get there eventually. 
that he, that was his destiny. He was going to end up directing, but he, he, he wanted a, a career that was unassailable, that he had all the work under his belt. So people would say, okay, this guy is a consummate actor. Nobody's handed him anything. And, uh, by the time he got to 42 and get on up was really the first time I like you, I was taken aback because one, I like James Brown, but his performance of James Brown, I know it seems cliche to say, but it was electrifying. It really was. Yeah, it I mean, was. It was perfect. It really embodied description. That movie was so much fun to watch. And it, it was all because of his performance. I mean, he was so he was so great in that movie. And then. You know, when he went on, if you look at what he did next, dude, I'm one of the only people that loves Alex Proyas' Gods of Egypt. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you I are. Saw, I went and saw <laughs> Gods of Egypt on Hollywood Boulevard at the Chinese Theater opening weekend. I own the 3D Blu-ray, and he was in that. <laughs> and I, I'm like, I, I just, again, he's just a character – he, he's an actor, you know, you fall in love with certain actors and you don't necessarily know why. They, it doesn't matter what they're in. You'll just go, I'll watch anything that, that he was in after the performance of Get On Up. I mean, I, I went back and watched, I didn't see 42 when it first came out and went back and watched it because of Get On Up. And um, I, I just, I, I, I just, I love that guy. I mean, you know, he was, uh, 21 Bridges wasn't that great. It was kind of disappointing, but he was great in it. Always is. And, and I, I, I just can't believe, you know, we're not going to get any more of his work. And, and you know what? The one film we haven't really talked much of because Black Panther had happened. Nobody cared anymore about anything else that he did. And so he had this other movie come out that nobody paid attention to that I thought was wonderful. And that was Marshall. That right. he did with Josh Gad. Josh Gad, who's another guy that I never really thought a lot of. Last couple of years, my opinion on Josh Gad is, has been changing and evolving because Josh Gad, the chemistry Josh Gad and Chadwick Boseman had on screen together in Marshall is I never yeah. would have expected it. But well, again, I, thought, I liked Marshall. I oh, I did good. Too. I thought it was very good. And again, bringing a important historical figure to life again for another generation. You know, that's just what he did with his career, whether it was fictional like T'Challa or whether it was the real life ones, that's just what he did. And, and the, and the grace he did it with and the power he did it with and the pure straight up skill that he did it with. I mean, this was a guy, his career was going to be long and it was going to be decorated. I, I'm telling you right now, his career was going to be decorated. And, um, it's just when it adds another layer for those of us who didn't actually get to know Chadwick Boseman personally, you know, just as a fan of the art, the knowledge that we are going to get no more. We're not going to get any more of his contributions of what he gave to the world, what he gave to the art. We're not going to get any more of it. And that is just becomes another layer of, of, of sadness on top of it all. But Rob, we obviously would be remiss if we didn't bring this around and talk about Black Panther. Because if what he wanted to do with his career was to tell important stories that had meaning and importance for what he said in his interview, his people, then I don't know how you could have made a bigger splash than that of playing T'Challa. 
And I say T'Challa, not Black Panther. Black Panther was a mantle. The movie Black Panther wasn't about the mantle of Black Panther. Black Panther is about this character T'Challa and everything that he was and everything that he stood for and every and the struggles that he had and the things he aspired to and his courage and his bravery. It was, it was T'Challa. Rob, I don't think people like you and I, we can have an appreciation, an appreciation for the impact and importance of what this first title lead uh, African-American character in this new golden age, in this MCU age of comic book movies came out. And Rob, you and I both have received letters from viewers so many times that said, like I was just reading one again last night with my wife, Anne, the writing saying, you know, I've got a, I've got a you know, 10-year-old son and we went to go see Black Panther. My 10-year-old son and I love comic book movies, but this is the first time that we got to see a comic book hero that looks like me. And I think people like me don't fully get the breadth of that and, and the weight of that and what that mean meant to not millions, not tens of millions, but hundreds of millions of people who were fans of this property and what Chadwick Boseman was able to do to bring that to the screen and establish this legacy suddenly. And again, I'm taking this from letters that people have sent into me and I'm sure have sent into you as well, Rob. Yeah. Suddenly there are a lot of people who always felt like they got to be fans of something from the outside, but now felt like they belonged now felt like they were included too. And the importance of that. I don't think you can put that in words. And quite frankly, Rob, I think it's an importance that I'll never fully have a full appreci appreciation for really the weight of it. I can just have a slight appreciation for it from the outside looking in. He It changed the way that people were able to look at comic book movies. You know, up until that point, I can't remember, Rob, you can probably give me a stronger number. I think before Black Panther, we were 17 or 18 movies into the MCU. I think we were 17 or 18, somewhere around there, 17 yeah. or 18 films. Every single one, white male lead. And I love white males. We're great. I have no problem with white males. But we've been 17 movies in, all white males. And now we brought in T'Challa. the fact that they went all out, they brought in a Ryan Coogler to direct this thing. And they made what became the first comic book movie in history to get nominated for Best Picture at the Academy Awards. At, that's that's a significance you can't downplay. I, I mean, and you can't overstate it either. It, it's what this character meant to so many people. And Rob, to me, that's the legacy. The legacy isn't about awards that were won. Legacy isn't about box office totals that were made. Legacy to me is the impact you had on individual people and the impact that he was able to have through smaller projects like 42 and Marshall and Get On Up and Defy Bloods and whatever, yes, but also on a global scale where everybody was able to experience what he was delivering at the same time. It's an importance that I just don't even know how to put into words. Rob, when you look at Chadwick Boseman and the legacy of Black Panther and what this character, what his performance in this has meant, what are the first things that come to your mind? Well, you know, I keep thinking back. There was a, a video, kind of, it kind of went viral, a viral video of these three uh, black guys at a movie theater. And I guess it was the first time that they had seen the Black Panther one sheet. And one of them was shooting and the other two were, were pointing at the poster. 
and they were saying they were marveling, marveling. They were talking about how <laughs> about how, like, say, white people never think about the kind of representation they see on, say, a movie poster. You know, when you see a movie ad and 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 they were saying all the time. Imagine if you had this kind of representation all the time. They were so shocked and delighted by this poster. And then they were also making the point that. You see what it's like to finally have this kind of representation that we and Schnepp and I used to talk about this video all the time, all the time. And and, you know, you don't think about it, especially if you're white. You just don't you just take it for granted. You, it never even occurs to you. But if you look at that one sheet, I mean, yes, of course, you have your Tolkien figures in the sense that you have Bilbo Baggins there and you have Gollum on that poster, but they're small. Mostly it is a, a poster of all these great regal powerful. I mean, you literally black. have Gollum on this on, on the poster. You literally yeah, have that, Gollum there. That's what I mean. The two Tolkien uh, <laughs> yep. white white dudes. Um but but you know, you see that and and you realize that something has changed because the common the conventional wisdom was that, oh, you know, you can't have a hundred and fifty million dollars tentpole movie that stars uh, black actors. It won't travel internationally. It won't make as much money. Well, those those myths were totally shattered by Black Panther. So not only did you have representation for a community that had never been represented that way, not only did you have international box office numbers that that destroyed any kind of excuses people had for not having movies with black leads in them uh, that can cost $150 million. Not only that, but you had a community of people that never, ever had something like this ever before, you know, writ large on the big screen. And, and it was something that not just one community liked, but that the world embraced. You know, he, if he wanted to transcend, if he wanted to make film for black people and represent his black community, he certainly did that. But he also did something that I think was even more important in that he crossed all international boundaries. He crossed all races, shapes, size, colors, and creeds and presented a vision of humanity that is something all of us, all people can look to and be like, you know what? There should be a little T'Challa in all of us. And, mm -hmm. and more than anything else, imagine now if you're a kid, if you're, say, you're black and you're eight years old. You now live in a world where a movie like Black Panther exists. And you can look at not just a, a powerful male character, but the Dormelage and, and Shuri and, you know, somebody who knows STEM. And, and there's so much there. And it, you know, that kind of representation is not something to be trifled with or taken lightly. Yeah, and it's know. very meaningful. And look, there is a reason why. Uh, last night, ABC aired Black Panther commercial free, yeah. you know, on TV last night. And there was a re really lovely tribute. And I have to say the thing that got me the most, I don't know if, did you read Ryan Coogler's statement? I did. And, and we're going to read, we're going to read some of that here in, in just a minute. We're going to bring some of that up. What, what a lovely tribute. And, and, uh, I, you know, you, you realize that, that uh, art and and the movie business and when people can truly I mean everyone looks at movies and they don't they forget that movies are hard work and they're magical in the sense when they really when everything comes together and you have the synergy between the studio and the filmmakers and the actors and all that it isn't an easy thing to do especially at the 150 million dollar level 
And reading reading Ryan Coogler's statement about how he first met Chad Bozeman and what it was like to work with him and what he was thinking and where it led him. And then to find out that the entire time he knew Chad Bozeman, his battle with cancer had already begun. Yeah. Man, I'm telling you. I uh, One of the other things to, to hark back to something you were touching on there a second ago, you know, for, for the longest time, we've always said that this – fan community, this geek community, this nerd community. This is for everybody. This this is this community isn't just for one type of person or one gender or one this community is for everybody. I mean, we've said that for a long time. But our movies and our media have always they for the longest time that's they sent a different message. Like we say this community is for everybody, but then we look up on the screen and and we don't see that play out. And now we are living in a time where, we're, where that is really starting to change, where we get movies like Wonder Woman coming out, where we get out, we got Shang-Chi coming now, but it was really had an explanation point put on it with Black Panther. And it was finally the screen saying what we had been trying to pretend was the case. This is a culture and a community and a fandom that really is for everyone. And we all belong here. And we all have a place here and we're all welcome here. And now the media is start the media that we watch and get to celebrate together in a large part because of Black Panther is really starting to reflect that. And there is a due in no small part to the work and the art contributed by Chadwick Boseman for it as well. And I just don't think the importance of that can be um, can be overstated. It it does raise a couple of questions, Rob. One of which was, you know, you and I, before the show started here today, we were talking about some photos. Uh, not long ago, you know, Spike Lee and Chadwick Boseman on the red carpet of a screening of The Five Bloods. And, and now in hindsight, you know, you and I were talking about these photos. We looked at those photos and went, yeah, Chadwick looked different. I mean, he, he was he had clearly completely thinned out. But, you know, a lot of us like me just kind of wrote it off. Just, oh, I'm sure it's just for a role. I'm sure if he was sick, they would have told us. I'm sure it's just for a role. And, and now we know better. And it, it raises the question about did people know? And, and I thought I would bring this up because going back to that uh, article that Ryan Coogler wrote uh, that was published on Marvel.com, uh, it's a wonderful article. I encourage you all to go read it yourself. But I wanted to highlight this one, this one paragraph here. This is Remember, this is written by Ryan Coogler who wrote, Chad deeply valued his privacy, and I wasn't privy to the details of his illness. What that tells me, Rob, is like, yeah, Ryan knew he was ill, but I don't think he knew the details. I don't know if he knew the, the degree of it. I don't think he knew. He certainly didn't know how long he had been battling it and all that kind of stuff. After his family released their statement, I realized that he was living with his illness the entire time that I knew him. Because he was a caretaker, a leader, and a man of faith dignity and pride he shielded his collaborators from his suffering he lived a beautiful life and he made great art day after day year after year that was who he was he was an epic firework display i love that description he was an epic firework display i will tell stories about being there for some of the brilliant sparks till the end of my days what an incredible mark he left for us rob in talking about this legacy, what 
this movie and what this role that Chadwick Boseman helped bring to life of T'Challa has meant to so many people, what it established and this new path of inclusion and belonging that it has really created for the entire geek sphere. I think it's applicable to discuss how is that legacy? How is that important direction and path that his work helped put us on? How is that legacy going to be stewarded moving forward? What are you going to do, Marvel? What are you going to do, Disney, to maintain the integrity of what that legacy is? What is the approach that they're going to take to live up to this high standard and this high bar that has been set? What are we going to do to continue on this legacy of bringing everybody into our community and making everybody feel they're a part and that they belong because of these iconic characters, specifically in this case, T'Challa as performed and portrayed by Chadwick Boseman. What are you going to do to steward that? And I think that's an important question to ask when talking about Chadwick Boseman's legacy. And, and the first thing that brings up Rob is, I mean, it's the question we all wonder about, like how much did they know? Like, how much did 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 Ryan Coogler know? How much did uh, did did Kevin Feige know? I think it's clear from Coogler's statement that he knew there was an illness, but really didn't know much more beyond that. I mean, he goes on and talks about how he hell he started writing Black Panther two with Chadwick in mind. I and this is just speculation on my part, Rob. I believe that that probably somebody like Kevin Feige and Alan Horn probably knew a little bit more maybe than even Ryan Coogler did if for no other reason that Chadwick Boseman was a man of incredible integrity mm -hmm. and you know I mean it, this is the illustration I heard somebody I heard another movie pundit and I'm trying to remember who it was that I heard say this earlier but another movie pundit and I feel terrible that I'm not I'm not crediting them but I'm trying to remember which one anyway say something very profound they said listen and follow me here because I thought this was a great analogy if I invited you to a, a night out to hang out and I was covering and I was buying the, the, the plane ticket for us to go to where we're going to go hang out and the show tickets and I had made reservations and I had booked our hotels and I spent all the money and you knew you couldn't come while I was spending all this money and making all these plans and doing all these things. That makes you not a very good friend. <laughs> And they, they're pointing out that Chadwick Boseman was just a man of such integrity that you knew at some point he probably let Marvel in and, and the executives there at least a little bit in as much as he needed to let them in on what it was that he was facing. Not, not to mention for insurance purposes for a lot of these big $100 million films, physicals have to be involved and stuff like that. So yeah. I have a feeling and a guess that they knew but maybe didn't know the full extent Right, of course. Um, at, at this point, Rob, you, when after reading Kugler's statement and and thinking about that, like, how much do you think like the people who were on the inside uh, were actually able? Because one of the great statements in Kugler's thing there, because you know what, Chadwick wanted to protect everybody from his own suffering. He didn't like me. I stub my toe. I bitch and whine about it to anybody who will listen. But he wanted to protect people from his suffering. How how do you think he dealt with that privately? Well, I think, you you know, you make a decision because once you're sick like that, it overshadows everything you're trying to do. No one will have, ever have a conversation without talking about your sickness first. 
Right. And I think that was in diametric opposition to what he wanted to accomplish. And, you know, if if it was always about him and his illness, it would have overshadowed what, say, Black Panther meant to the community at large, you know, and the importance of the film would have been um, it, it just would have been overshadowed by his illness. And I think it was really smart of him to do do it the way he did it, because it allowed his work to to live on its own. And, and his legacy now is going to be not just that his life was cut short, tragically cut short, but it's that he was able to give us some great work first, you know, and, and people will always look to that first. And um, I, I think that was smart. I think that was really smart of him to do. And I, I believe, look, I'm sure probably Alan Horton and Kevin Feige knew. I'm sure they probably did. And uh, I'm sure he explained why he wanted it to be that way. So I, I'm sure they were, everything was up front and they respected his wishes and they were, look, I mean, the guy was sick while he made Black Panther, Infinity War and Endgame and they allowed him to do it. You know, a lot of people would have said, nope, you know, we can't insurance reasons or whatever. I mean, that Black Panther, that was it shows even I think the balls and the integrity of of Feige and company to allow him to make that movie, even they knew he was fighting stage three into stage four colon cancer. I mean, can you imagine that? A lot of people would have said, sorry, where they could have recast after civil war, but they didn't. And they let him continue on that. I'll tell you something that took people. I'm sure Chad Bozeman had to have a conversation and he said, no, I don't care what kind of pain I'm in. I will do it for you. They knew yeah. man. And they let him do it. And I'll tell you, that's that's pretty amazing in this day and age because it ain't show friends. It's show business. But that showed a level of respect and honor that you don't normally see in Hollywood. Yeah, it's true. And and listen, it, it I think you can't talk about you can't properly talk about this legacy that he leaves behind, the importance of this role and what this role has meant to again, not tens, but hundreds of millions of people around the world, you can't properly talk about it without asking a couple of questions. And listen, I, I, I put up a social media post. I'm sure most of you have probably seen the social media post I put up. I know there are some people who believe that, you know, the question of what happens now isn't a question you should be talking about. And, and I disagree. I think the very fact that what happens now is a testimony to the impact and importance that Chadwick Boseman had on these things. And I think when you understand this legacy that is left behind, asking about how this legacy is going to be cared for and what are the plans and, and what could they do to properly steward and honor this legacy, I think those are questions that have to be asked. And I think they're questions. So we'll touch on them briefly here. We'll touch on them briefly. So there are a few questions. You know, we're not going to get into, hey, you know, who possibly could carry on for childhood. We're not going to ask that question here. But just overall in general to just kind of ask is how does Marvel steward this legacy now moving forward? They're now the caretakers. You know, the roles have reversed, Rob. By casting Chadwick Boseman, Chadwick Boseman got to be the steward of this Black Panther character for Marvel. It's their character, you know, created by others and all that kind of stuff. He was the steward. But now the roles are reverse. Now Marvel is the steward of Chadwick Boseman's legacy. 
of what he did, at least in terms of this one particular character, T'Challa, and what T'Challa means to so many people. What does Marvel do with it? So I think there are a couple of questions that have to be asked. The first question is this. How do you move forward? Right? I think that's the first question. And there, there seems to be two different thoughts about how you can move forward. And then each of those two possibilities have their own possibilities underneath. But the two possibilities that first come to mind at, at the highest level about how do you move forward, Rob, it seems pretty clear. Option number one of moving forward is to remove T'Challa from the MCU. That is the one way to move forward. And there is merit to that suggestion. You know, that, that hey, Chadwick Boseman played that role. He really has become T'Challa. And T'Challa is now indiscernible from the man Chadwick Boseman. And perhaps some people would suggest the best thing to do is move, take T'Challa out of the MCU and put it in a revered spot um, of honor that is like, let's always remember what this character was and how this character affected what we're going to do now moving forward, but we're going to move forward without T'Challa. That seems to be the one option of what you do. The second option that you have, of course, is obviously uh, move, if I don't hit my cap locks, hmm, uh, move forward with ETH with T'Challa. So if the one option is you move forward without the character, and that's a, that's a legit option. That is a legit option to move forward without the T'Challa the character. Legit option. The only other option, move forward with T'Challa. And that's something that, that they would need to look at. So I want to suggest, Rob, and then I want to get your feeling on, on, on the path maybe you see happening here. If we start with what do you do with T'Challa? You move forward without T'Challa. What do you do? Okay, one you write out uh, the character. You just write it out. You just say T'Challa is still out there somewhere. He's just ruling Wakanda and he's allowed others to represent Wakanda out in the world. So you can just, you can just write the character out. You can say uh, someone else takes up uh, the mantle, right? Someone else can just take up the mantle. That's what Black Panther has been. Black Panther is a title. Right, that is passed on from generation to generation to generation, and for all the way back to the beginning of Wakandans' recorded history. So you can just say somebody else. Maybe the character Shuri becomes the mantle of Black Panther. Maybe Mbaku takes on the mantle of Black Panther. But you can say he's still out there, or you move on with him there. All right, let's say you want to move on with T'Challa. Okay, if they want to go with the option, what do you do with T'Challa? Well, then you have a couple of options. One is CGI. I don't like this option. <laughs> Personally, I don't like the option. Uh, it's kind of what they did with a mixture of old footage of Carrie Fisher mixed in with some CGI and whatever, and you try to CGI and you make it look like it's Chadwick Boseman. There, that, that's the one option. Uh, another option you have if you want to move forward with T'Challa is uh, you get someone to carry on. Uh, for Chadwick, right? That's the other option. You can CGI T'Challa, or you can get another actor to come on and try to carry on the legacy of Chadwick Boseman as the character. 
That's a. I think these are. I mean, CGI notwithstanding, I, I'm not for the CGI thing. I don't think if you're going to move forward with T'Challa, uh, I, I don't think you CGI him. I think at that point you need to get someone else who's going to pick up that mantle and carry on for Chadwick Boseman. Um, but, but yeah. So th there's a couple of questions that stand there. Rob, I'm sure you and I both have our, our opinions about what they should maybe do to caretake this legacy that Chadwick leaves behind. Right now, and obviously we could be completely wrong, but what do you think is the path that Marvel is looking at right now as they move forward with, with this legacy that Chadwick Boseman has left? Well, see, I see that they really only have one option. And the one option is embrace what happened. And T'Challa has died. And that that and 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 if anybody can tell this story, I always go back to Creed as being an example of how to keep a universe going. In in Creed, you had Ryan Coogler creating a new element of the Rocky franchise and giving us Adonis Creed, Apollo Creed's son, a character we didn't know, we hadn't met. And I think you really just have to say that T'Challa passed away and he he was cut down in the, in his prime by something no superhero can stop and that is the the natural course of of what it means to be human he he died of cancer make 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 what happened reflect life and the fact that it's a horrible tragedy reflect and 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 incorporate all of this into the story leaving again you know the 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 option of is and the all of these questions we're asking you can deal with will shuri take over will mbaku become the leader all of this is part of the story you're telling but no you know maybe you it, it becomes the story of a new untried untested leader that does not come from a royal lineage the way t'challa did and you have somebody come in and if they are indeed going to make the submariner the villain who's also another king and there is your conflict. That becomes the crucible that our new character has to go through. Somebody that is maybe not ready to be a king, but needs to step up. And 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 you make that the story. Because as you pointed out, John, Black Panther is not one man. It's a title. And I think there's a great story to be told there. But I don't think you can go on. I don't think you can recast. I don't think that you can use CGI. I think you have to you have to approach this head on. Because nobody can replace Chad Bozeman's portrayal of T'Challa in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And, and I think to move forward, in a way, that was all part of the Infinity Saga. The Infinity Saga is over. And now we move forward and we deal, we deal with life and what happened. And I think there's no reason why they can't confront it head on. And it also opens some great storytelling possibilities moving forward. I, I, I disagree. I, I think that again, to me, Black Panther isn't about the title of Black Panther. Black Panther is about T'Challa. The, these move. What makes what's made this character so special is the man. Talking about fictional character, but the man T'Challa, the Chadwick Boseman, kind of delivered this. And this T'Challa has become so important culturally. I'm not talking in the movies. I'm talking about in our world has become so important culturally to so many people that I just don't know. And, you know, the Black Panther character T'Challa has been around for decades, been around yep. for decades. And I just don't know that 
the proper thing to do with this legacy that Chadwick Boseman helped establish is to now say, we're taking the T'Challa, this, this inspirational character to hundreds of millions of people, th this character that busted open these doors, we're now taking this character off the board. I, I don't know that that's the right way. And by the way, I don't think Disney or Marvel looks at replacing Chadwick Boseman. There's a difference, I believe, between replacing an actor and, and getting somebody in to carry on their work. If you look at something like, <laughs> well, let's stick with the MCU. Uh, Terrence Howard got replaced. Let's just call that what it was. Terrence Howard got replaced with Don Cheadle. But if you go to like, say, Harry Potter, when Richard Harris passed away, they didn't get somebody in to just create a brand new Dumbledore. No, they brought in somebody. And I remember it's a Gambon. How, how do you pronounce it? Gambon, yeah. Gambon, right. Michael Gambon came in. I remember his his thing. He goes, well, I definitely want to bring a little bit of myself to the role, but I am here to carry on Richard's character. I'm here to carry on Richard's character. And I believe it's not just a semantic difference between replace and carry on. I think there's a very important distinction there. And I, I personally think it's important that they carry on this legacy. I think it's important that they carry on uh, what Chadwick did. But narratively, there are other options there narratively. If they, if they want to say, take what, what, what Chadwick did and then put it on a place of honor and say, that is now there to the side for us to always look at and be inspired by, but we're going to try something different. I don't know. I, I, there's a part of me that really hopes they decide to carry on Chadwick's legacy with this character T'Challa that has become so important to so many people. But I don't know. I I mean, these are questions that aren't going to be answered in the next four months, right? right I mean, these right. right they're they're not going to answer. Like for all we know, Chadwick and Kevin Feige had a conversation about who Chadwick would like to see play T'Challa next. For all we know, we don't know. Or maybe it's not something they've given one strip of thought to. But either way, it's probably not something that in the year of 2020 we're going to know the answer for. Uh, no. This is probably something that gets pushed off for a while. But I do think, you know, there's an opportunity here that you don't get often. I mean, I think obviously the first the first impulse would be to replace him, you know, have another actor come I in. I hate using play. that word. I hate using that word. So, or, that or let's call it succeed, really not, you know, to yeah. succeed him. But I do think that there also is an opportunity from a storytelling standpoint to to incorporate this into into the whole legacy and legend of the MCU. You know, the MCU has never been a direct translation of what's happened in the comic books. And this is a way I think you have a storytelling opportunity to create, to forge a new character that a, a generation can embrace that is born out of a tragedy and, and turning that tragedy into something because we, John, have been inspired by Chad Bozeman's portrayal of T'Challa, just like the younger generation seeing kids making their action figure tributes to, to the passing of, of, of Chad Bozeman has been killing me, you know, but maybe incorporating that into the storyline will be just what a new generation of moviegoers needs to help them understand, to help them deal with grief and, and move forward and understand that life continues. It's a continuum. One person, if they're not here anymore, there will be somebody that will step up, and use their legacy to help them achieve great things too. And I think that could definitely be, 
incorporated into the movie series and really address the idea of what is a superhero? What is a king? What is the legacy? And and I think it could be great for the story, for a great story uh, to tell and also for a great way to honor a great man. And that's going to become the question that's that's going to surface in the coming weeks and months is what what does what do we as fans what does Marvel what does the MCU do to continue this legacy what which is the best path to take to to build on this legacy that that Chadwick Boseman helped bring to life for a lot of people this inspiration all kind of stuff there's going to be there are several paths there are several options and what way are they going to go we're going to know more about that and we'll talk more about that in the future I'm sure but you know at the end of the day the important thing right now is that uh, the guy who gave us this legacy the guy who gave us this iconic character the guy who helped kicked open these doors about this world of fandom and everything truly being for everybody uh, has passed away far too soon. And, you know, I decided to make a, a question of the day today, guys. And I think I think the results, I haven't looked at it yet. I'm just bringing it up now. So I'm not, uh, yeah, I was going to say, I think we're going to see a real reflection of the fact that there's a lot of Chadwick Boseman movies that people haven't seen. But I asked today for the question of the day, I put it to everybody and I asked simply, uh, what do you think was the best Chadwick Boseman performance? You know, with all this great work and this great art that he leaves behind for us, what do you think was his best performance? Uh, about almost 5,000 of you guys, I put this up just before the show started, about 5,000 of you guys have uh, voted here. Uh, obviously, 62% of you guys are saying Black Panther, 4% of you are saying Marshall, 24% uh, of you are saying 42. My vote, I, to me, it's no question. To me, it's his performance in Get On Up. I mean, what he did in Get On Up made me a fan. Uh, so I'm going to say Get On Up. Uh, but that's that's how I put it at, at any rate. But right now, 62% uh, Black Panther, 24%, 42%, Get On Up, 4% Marshall. Uh, Rob, which one of those would you cast your vote for? What was your uh, what was your favorite performance there of his? Well, I have to say Get On Up because it was while I had seen him, I was really blown away by that performance. Um, the energy, the ability to recreate. I mean, James Brown is not somebody anybody can just channel. And I think that Chad Bozeman did such a good job. And th that was such a star making role. And because it was showy. You know, it was it was it was big and broad and brash, and you don't see that very often. And man, he pulled it off. Yeah, he did. Would you also would you say that's your favorite of his as well? Um, yeah, I think so. I think it was probably my favorite. Look, I love the way he portrayed Black Panther in Civil War. He kind of changed it up in the movie Black Panther, but. In terms of somebody, I love, look, the fact that they introduced Black Panther in Civil War, that might not have been, the guy that was able to channel James Brown was able to, in a relatively small amount of screen time, establish a new main character that you really wanted to see more of. But I think it's because, look, the guy had 15 years of acting under his belt before he played Black Panther, and man, uh, you really saw it. Because once you saw Get On Up, man, he could do anything. 
He absolutely could. All right, guys, listen, I'm sure a lot of thoughts on, on all that stuff and your thoughts on, on Chadwick Boseman, your favorite performance of his, what his performances meant to you. Jump down to the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. All right, guys, listen, for the rest of the show now, we're just going to go over and take your live comments and questions and uh, see what you guys are talking about here. So let's jump on over and start taking those right now. It's super hot today, right? Black Panther is scheduled for May 2022. What are the chances? they have already cast uh, his replacement just in case uh, RIP King. I listen, I I think there's a possibility that uh, listen, I maybe it's maybe I'm being overly romantic. Okay, maybe I'm being overly romantic. I think there is a chance that Chadwick got some say in this. I I I I think that there is a possibility that uh Feige probably maybe sat down or or emailed with with Chadwick and, and said, what do you think? You know what? So I think there may be a possibility here that they may have already selected somebody to carry on the role of T'Challa for Chadwick Boseman. And maybe even Chadwick had, had some input on that. I, I don't know for sure. What I feel very confident of though, Rob, is that we are not getting Black Panther 2 in May of 2022. Whether it's a new character taking on the mantle of Black Panther or whether it's somebody handpicked very carefully to carry on the legacy of Chadwick Boseman. Either way, I don't think we're going to, I think they're going to put that on the back burner for a little while, even if they already had their plan in mind, whatever that plan is, I think they're going to let it breathe for a while. And I, I don't think we're going to get a Black Panther in 2022. What do you think? I, you know, I, I tend to agree with you. I think they need to, they're, they're going to have to figure this out and, and it's going to have to be done carefully. And it's uh, unless, you know, unless they already know, because if there's one person I have, I have complete faith in Ryan Coogler, just based on his previous three films that whatever they decide, if they decide to replace T'Challa with a new actor, I think Coogler is the man to pull it off and, and he'll be able to provide whatever they choose to do. He's going to be able to do it with Oh, in a way that is is honorable, that brings uh, a class and uh, brings a a reverence to the character and the legacy. So I trust him, but maybe he'll need more time. But then again, he's pretty he's a pretty deft filmmaker, so maybe they can stick to that date. I, I don't think it's a matter of whether they can actually from a logistics point of view, pull off a movie between now and 2022. I think they can. I just don't think they will. I I, I don't think, because that means going into production probably within the next six months. Yeah, that's and true. And I, I don't think they're going to, even if they are, I see whether they go the route of what you were so uh, articulately laying out, like take on a new story, the mantle is passed to somebody else, blah, 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 or whether they go with what I was talking about, which is get somebody to carry on the legacy of Chadwick, but whichever way they decide to go, they may already have it picked. They may have already decided, but I just think they're going to want to let it breathe for a little while. I, I don't think they're going to want to come out and make an announcement about a movie going into production in the, yeah. anytime this calendar year, but you never know. You never know. I, I think you're right. Not only do I trust Coogler, Kevin Feige has shown that he can be trusted with making decisions like this and really understanding his talent, understanding his audience. So we'll see what they do, but I, I'll be surprised. I'd be shocked if we get it in 2022. All right, next up.
Uh, Goose Fur, uh, writes, Fury writes, Hey, John, this Chadwick news hit hard. It absolutely did. As I was scrolling through people's reactions, I realized Black Panther is the first black superhero movie to make one billion at the box office. That is an awesome legacy, and I never even realized it until he passed. R.I.P. to the king. Hey, listen, it was a lot of firsts. Uh, making a billion dollars at the box office, being nominated for Best Picture at the Academy Awards. Again, to me, it goes beyond the statistical facts. It goes beyond award nominations. It goes beyond money made at the box office. And these are all important things and significant things. To me, the legacy of this Black Panther movie, and by extension, what Chadwick Boseman did as T'Challa, was it threw open the doors to say to everybody, you belong here too. You belong here too. You don't need to be a fan from the outside. You don't need to feel awkward celebrating this type of material. This material is for you too, which was a message that had never really been communicated from the screen before. I mean, we're starting to get with, with Wonder Woman, and of course we got Shang-Chi coming, but it was... To me, it's that impact. It's those pictures of kids celebrating Black Panther. It's those stories, Rob, of like busloads of kids being brought into the theaters to see this character. That, to me, is that legacy. But yeah, it also is pretty fun to note that, hey, man, that one made a billion dollars. That showed the world. That showed the, the industry. Forget the fans. It showed the industry. Guess what, guys? Gone are the days that you can't make a movie with a all non-white cast and make money. Yeah, you can. Yes, you can. If you do it right, yes, you can. All right, Willow writes. Knowing what Chadwick Boseman was going through while doing physically while doing physically demanding roles like Black Panther has made me appreciate his performances that much more. He might have played a hero, but he's an inspiration in real life. And Rob, that's I remember, that's the first thing you kind of went to, right? Was this it, it like beyond the talent, beyond the roles, beyond the art? Just knowing that this guy was dealing with this and wanted to do his work anyway. He wanted to give these performances. He wanted to bring these important characters to life for people. And and that's something you put really well a little bit earlier. And and and, and how do you think that stands? Well, you know, you you think about a human life. A human life is finite. And and when you don't have when you're you, the time we have when you actually know when you're fighting a battle that has curtailed the time that you have on this planet, you can choose to give up. You can choose to be like, eh, screw this. I'm just going to go live out my life and enjoy as much of it as I can. Or you can choose to cement, you can choose to continue to work and cement your legacy and, and to do everything you can. The mission that he stated, I want to do a good work that will benefit my people, that will benefit black Americans and indeed uh, black human beings across the planet, wherever they may be. And that was what he stated he wanted to do. And he wasn't going to allow a terminal illness to prevent him from his stated task. And if that isn't super heroic, I don't know what is. I mean, uh, that was something that I can't imagine. I mean, my mother uh, survived two bouts of cancer. She had two radical mastectomies over a three and a half year period of time. And she didn't give up either. And to watch 
you know, that is a conscious choice you have to make because that is a struggle. That is a battle you fight every single day. And you don't get to then be like, you know, I don't feel very good today. I'm going to call in sick to work. I'll bet you we probably never called in sick once. Yeah. And you know what's and amazing, too? When you look at these roles, like, yeah, he wanted to do these important roles and work with these filmmakers. While doing it, he made incredibly entertaining art at the same time. You know, a lot of people, they want to do an important something with a message and it becomes preachy and it becomes, and it's, yeah, it's good work and it's important work, but it may not be a lot of fun to watch. What Kugler and the individual directors he's worked with, whether it was Tate Taylor or whether it's Ryan Kugler or wh whoever it was, they found ways to tell these important stories, to be meaningful and be really entertaining to watch at the same time. And that's, you know, dude, that's, that's a gift. Well, and I think that if you want to look at how to lead your life, I mean, obviously America has a lot of our problems have been laid bare during this time of a pandemic. But also, if you want to look at somebody who is the product of, uh, of an American educational system, who lived in America, what Americans can be and the strength that we can find within ourselves, I think Chadwick Boseman, through his the way he lived, not just the entertainment and the work that he did, but the way he lived is a shining example, not just to Americans, but to people. Like there's a way to turn your life into something truly meaningful and how you lead your life is by an example. And I think he left an example for every single person on this planet. That uh, is yes, strength that you don't see. No, it is not. All right, let's move on here. Uh, next up, Willow writes, uh, thanks for donating the proceeds. Yes. Oh, so, so what Willow's talking about is on Saturday's open mic, a lot of people were sending in messages uh, without questions. They were just writing in, want to say I love T'Challa, rest in peace, Bozeman forever, you know, all this kind of stuff. And what I said during the show was, I'll tell you what, I said, we're going to take all the, the 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 super chats and the the the, uh, the tip questions that come in that aren't questions that are just people wanting to pour out messages of what uh, Chadwick Boseman was to you. I said we're we're going to take all that and we're going to donate that that money to uh, to the American Cancer Society. It was over two hundred bucks. We raised over two hundred bucks oh, for that. Yes, and I didn't tell people that in advance. And we just said that during the show. And there were still like over two hundred dollars worth of people sending in those things. So that's what Willow was talking about. So thank you to everybody who did send in that stuff. Uh, Fifty Shades of Geek writes. Music question. What kind of concert only costs 45 cent? 50 cent featuring <laughs> 50 cent featuring Nickelback. You know what? We need something to giggle on, on days like today. <laughs> that's not that's actually not a bad joke. That's not 50 that's cent not featuring a Nickelback. I get it. I'll, I'll give you a drum shot for that. I'll give you a drum oh, shot for boy. that. All right. Anonymous viewer writes, hey, John. Uh, Tenet was my most anticipated movie of the year. No spoilers, but watch Tenet two days ago. While I realized there was something mind-blowing happening on the screen, my mind didn't keep up, and the movie lost me very early. I rated it a 5 out of 10. After I read and watched lots of videos, I am sure my 5 will jump up to 8 or 9 or possibly a 10 with the second viewing, but this is mandatory second viewing. Is good or bad thing in your opinion? Uh, it's, it's a challenge to watch a 150-minute movie Again, just to understand it. You know what? I, Rob, I've said this before, and I know the, the artistic people look at me and it's like, oh, you have lost slide. I, I get it. But it is part of the director's responsibility. And you know I love Christopher Nolan. Me, and I yeah. love his movies. But it is the – and I haven't seen Tenet yet because they're not playing it anywhere around here. But it is the director's responsibility – to tell a great story, yes, 
but also communicate it in a way that the audience can come along with what it is you're trying to communicate. That's your job. And if, if a good chunk of your audience is getting lost in your movie, that's not their problem. That's your problem as the director. Now, again, I, I'm just talking about my ass because I haven't seen Tenet yet. But no, I don't believe you should have to, to watch a movie two, three, four times to get what the movie is. That happens sometimes. It happens sometimes. But I think for the most part, that is the, the director's responsibility. It's your job. To make sure that when an audience is watching, they're getting this great intricate story, but I'm also telling the story in a way that they're able to come along with me on the journey. Because if you don't tell it in such a way that the audience can come along with you on the journey, what's the point? You know, I don't know, Rob, what do you think about that? No, I look, I agree with you. And I think that what's interesting is obviously we're dealing with this concept of time inversion. What all that means, I don't know because I haven't seen the film, but I do think you're absolutely correct. I think filmmakers owe it to your audience. When you're making a movie, this idea that you're making it for yourself isn't true. You're making it for a mass audience. And if you're spending $250 million on the film, if your central conceit is a little too murky to be clearly understood so it hampers your enjoyment of the moment-to-moment -moment experience of watching a film, that's on you as the filmmaker. And you can't sit there and go, well, the audience just isn't uh, smart enough to understand the genius that I'm trying to give to them. Again, I'm not saying that's what he did, but I, I think that you don't want to make something too overly complex. I mean, it's not like we haven't seen time travel stories that we get. One of the great things about Back to the Future is we, we can anticipate – based on him going back in time, the, the things that he's going to f have problems with. And that's what makes the film so enjoyable is that then the script goes ahead and does that thing in such a very clever way that it makes it delicious to watch. And <laughs> delicious you know, that's to what, watch. Uh, that's what I want things that are delicious, John. I want movies that are mentally delicious. All right, let's move on here. Next up is Sam who writes uh, one of four. Uh, might be early to speak on this, but as much as I love Chadwick in the role of T'Challa, I'm on the mindset that the character is always bigger than the actor. I don't mind a recasting of the role, but I understand if they don't and attempt passing the mantle approach since Shuri at one point does do that that's in, in, the, in the comics. I mean, in the movies, that's a little problematic because Shuri's not portrayed as a warrior. She's the brains of the family. Shuri clearly got the brains in the family. She's the smartest character in the MCU, but that could serve her as well. At uh, one point to do that. I would guess that Feige and Coogler had plans for T'Challa and probably had a lot more story to give in the MCU's future. I kind of pictured him with Danvers and Strange being the next big three uh, after Cap, Iron Man, and Thor. I know Thor is still around, but I think he'll take a step back at that position for a while. Again, just my speculation. What do you think they'll do? Sorry, forgot to number them properly. <laughs> no problem. Uh, I would personally be cool with either recasting the role or passing the mantle to his sister or some brand new character. I guess we shall see tough spot Marvel Studios is in. Thanks again. And it's true. It is a tough spot Marvel Studios is in. You know, I was reading through the live chat just before the show started and somebody in our live chat was saying, listen, the reality is this. Marvel's effed. There's, there is no decision they can make right now that isn't going to have a segment of people vocally angry at them. If they put the T'Challa character aside, a bunch of people are going to be pissed. If they make Shuri the new Black Panther, a bunch of people are going to be pissed. If they decide to bring in an actor to carry on for Chadwick Boseman, a bunch of people are going to be pissed. There is literally no option on the table for Marvel right now. Let's just be honest. 
that isn't going to have some very vocal segment of our demographic that's going to be very vocally pissed. There's just there's no there's nothing they can do that's going to please everybody, Rob. I mean, hell, just listening to you and me talk about it is clear about that, that there's nothing they can do that's going to make everybody happy about this. That's just the situation that they're in. Personally, right now, I kind of feel the way you do, Sam. I feel like T'Challa is a super iconic and important character in in this entire world. I feel there are more important stories for T'Challa to be told. I believe they had plans for T'Challa moving forward. That said, I also think Rob raises some pretty good points. Um, I, I think, whereas everybody's going to be pissed no matter what, I'm taking the mindset that of, you know what, I just trust Coogler and Feige so much. And look, I think they should bring somebody on to carry on for Chadwick. But if they decide to go another route, I trust them. I trust them. So I'm going to be happy with whatever they decide to do, minus the CGI route, that I won't be happy with under any circumstances. But uh, but I agree with you, Sam. I, I agree. I think there are more stories specifically for T'Challa uh, to tell. So I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. But Rob, you brought up a lot of good points. I mean, listen, I'm a big M'Baku fan, right? Like logically, M'Baku is the next guy, that, that character, he's the next guy to take the throne. I mean, he came this close to winning it from T'Challa anyway. And they got to do their combat thing. He's he's going or Shuri, who's like one of my favorite characters in the MCU now from the first moment she popped up on screen in Black Panther. Uh, lauded by Kevin Feige and everybody is officially the smartest person in the MCU. I mean, there's a lot of possibilities there, too. But I mean, Rob, do you basically agree? With me? I, I, I mean, do you see an option on the table that everybody can kind of then look do you see an option on the table for marvel and kevin feige where if they do this pretty much everybody will be okay with it i don't see that option do you no <laughs> I, I mean there's uh, there there it's a tough call man and it's gonna be raw it's gonna be look you know i'm a fan john we've seen i love batman i love james bond and these characters are, are replaceable. You know, we've seen new actors take on the mantles of these characters all the time. Even my beloved Captain James T. Kirk was replaced back in 2009 with a new younger actor. But I think in this case, you're dealing with something that goes beyond actually just a fictional story. And you're deal- there's a lot of spillover into our culture for real here. And, and the fact that there is what happened to Chadwick Boseman. I mean, you know. I certainly don't uh, – if they do recast the part and they want to move forward with a new T'Challa, I'm going to be dubious. I'll be I'll be honest. I'll be dubious. But it's not like I'm going to get angry that this has never been done before because it has. It just better be damn good. And whoever they, whoever they choose – and look, I trust – as far as their casting in the MCU, they've been pretty consistent, pretty great. So I would, I would definitely – Give them the benefit of the doubt, but it's going to be tough. I don't, regardless of what they do, man, I don't envy it. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. That's, that's, that's the, that's the other side of the coin. When you do something that's great and everybody loves, everybody's waiting to kill you. If you take one wrong step after that. So it's going to be interesting. I don't think they need to take some time though. Yeah, and that's that's out. why I don't think we're going to see a, a 2022 Black Panther 2. I, I just don't think it's going to happen. Even if they already know what they want to do, 
I don't think they're going to move very quickly, and nor should they. I, I don't think. All right. A silly goose writes uh, at the theater. I don't pray people take uh, their phones out. People pray I don't see them take their phones out. There is no price for my blind eye. A little Batman play here. If someone takes a phone out, I will see it and I will say something. I am inevitable. I am justice. Um, there are a few things that irritate me as much as people pulling out their phones during a movie. Because you get absorbed into the movie and all of a sudden, beep, this light comes on. And the thing, it's just a distraction. There's no, unless, again, I've said this all the time. Unless the letters DR precede your name or the phrase Mr. President precedes your name, there is no reason you can't go two hours without pulling out and checking your phone. There's no reason. Um, so uh, that's one of my pet peeves as well, Silly Goose. I, oh, Rob, I was so embarrassed too. I was in watching um, I was in watching uh, New Mutants and I got, I, got, I got my new watch, which I I don't know why I, I never uh -oh. wanted to get a smartwatch, but I just did because I saw it was on sale on Amazon for like 40% off and I got it. And I got to tell you, I've had this thing for about two weeks now. I love this thing. I don't know how I've lived without it, but I'll tell you what, every time I was in my seat and I'd go and flip my wrist to bring up my bag of popcorn, my damn watch would turn on because I hadn't learned yet how to put it into theater mode where the light doesn't come on. And I was every time I move, I'm like, ah, I'm a, such an asshole. And I cover my hands and I, I feel shame. I got I got to figure out how I feel shame to, for you right now. Oh, I felt like such a like finally I just like I just took the wrist the, the watch off my wrist and sat on it. I was just like, nope, You're that's not going to happen man. again. Oh, I'm a bad person. Oh, that irritated me that that happened. All right. An anonymous viewer writes, uh, this time it was so unexpected. All legends fall uh, in the making. Uh, RIP to the king. He will be missed Wakanda forever. Uh, and that's that's the thing about this. You know, it's always sad when we lose a legend. It, there's an there's a extra note of tragedy to it when you know it's somebody who didn't even get to live half that life. And they were really just going. And it, it is such a tragedy, Anonymous, and, and well said. Uh, Doug Tarnovian writes, Hey, John, love the show. Thank you so much, Doug. Last week was my first time back in the theater. I saw Tesla with Ethan Hawke. Kind of hard to understand. I have not seen that. Kind of hard to understand. Going again uh, today, Sunday, this was yesterday, might see New Mutants in my theater in, is M, I'm sorry, I'm Canadian. Is MA Massachusetts? Is that what MA is or is that Maine? Yeah, I believe so. Okay. Uh, MA, you have to wear masks the whole time. No condiments. Again, hey, listen, I went to a movie theater in Las Vegas couldn't have been more impressed. They really enforced social distancing. I had nobody for three seats to my left or my right in front or behind me. Uh, you didn't have to dispense your own drinks. You weren't touching the button that 500 other people were touching. They dispense your things. They wiped down all the seats and they put out big buckets of disinfectant wipes that if you wanted to bring a couple into the theater yourself and wipe things down yourself, you could. Everybody was wearing, it was I got to tell you, it was a great experience for me. I was very, very happy because I said, you know, I'm going to go this once, but if I don't see people behaving themselves and if I don't see rules being enforced, I'm not going to go back again. But I went, I felt way safer than I did in any grocery store or whatever. And it, I, I'm just telling you my experience. My experience was a good one. So I hope you had a good one too, Doug. All right. Ready, Teddy, Seti writes, well, John, it's official straight out of the mouth of Walter Hamada, all DC movies and shows are the DC multiverse. Batfleck is Earth 1, Battison is Earth 2. Now all bets are off. What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, really, I said this before. All that was, was him giving a name to something they were already doing. 
right? It's like, okay, this Joker has nothing to do with the DCEU. This Batman has nothing to do with the DCEU. So what do they do? Put it in language everybody in this in, in our sphere will understand. He pulled, reached in a pocket, pulled out this multiverse sticker, slap multiverse. There, get it? So if you're going to ask, how come that Joker isn't connected to Wonder Woman? Because this, multiverse. That's the answer to everything now. Uh, and it's a good move. It's a good move. But don't, I, I think people, Rob, are getting ahead of themselves thinking, well, since it's now officially multiverse, we're going to see Wonder Woman come across Joaquin Phoenix's Joker because it's all connected. I don't think Walter Hamada, and we'll find out. I, I could be completely off on this, completely off on this. I don't think Walter Hamada put that sticker on there to explain why they're, why they're going to be crossing everybody over. I think he put that sticker on there to explain why you don't see everything crossing over. But I mean, or maybe the truth is somewhere in between there. We'll wait and see. Rob, what did you think about that move by Hamada? Really well, smart I, guy, look, by the way. I, I think it's a great move because it, it means that you can have two or three different Batman movies come out and not have to worry. I think, like you said, it's it's him saying we don't have to have these crossover because everyone's asking, well, how do these crossover? Well, they don't. <laughs> you know, some <laughs> universes, you know, we're not going to cross over into these universes. They have stories unto themselves, which I think is the best way to do it. I think it's the best way to do it because then, again, like the joy of reading DC comics is you could get a, a Gotham by Gaslight or you could get a Superman Red Sun. And, right. You know, those stories existed unto themselves and you didn't have to be like, well, how does this fit to the rest of the DC universe? Well, it doesn't. I mean, why do you, you're telling an, a, a standalone Batman story, which is interesting. And, and I think, why not do a movie like that? Christopher Nolan's Batman trilogy exists unto itself. So this new Battinson trilogy will exist unto itself. And what it is, it's it's an examination of the character of Batman. And that's cool. I love that Hamada was breaking them away from this uh, obsession with everything's got to be shared cinematic universe. It's one of the reasons I loved when they announced Joker. And I love what Walter Hamada is doing in the DCEU right now. By really the way, I don't think... Stuff. I I don't think he would have announced it had Joker not necessarily been as successful as yeah, it was. Maybe. I think that was an that was an experiment that proved to everybody this could work. Well, I mean, he kind of had to with the new Batman coming out, right? Because everybody's like, well, wait a minute. It was uh, he's right, uh, Ben Affleck. Like, I, I mean, so he kind of had to in a way. But hey, listen, I, 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 stirred, I ruffled some feathers a few weeks ago when I got on the show and I said, and we made the title of it too, I think personally, I'm not saying the DCU is better than the MCU, not all. I'm just saying right now, I kind of feel like DC is really positioned better right now for success. They are really positioned well right now. And I think a lot of that has to do with the work that Walter Hamada has done. Uh, and, although, uh, did, when you, did you see a new Black Widow trailer in front of New Mutants? I did not. They they literally played one trailer for this movie called Come Play, which I haven't even really heard of, I don't think, and it looked really creepy, but no, they did not play a new trailer. There was a new Black Widow trailer that is not online that they showed in front of New Mutants when we saw it, and I'm like, ah, oh, man, it looks good. <laughs> I just want to see that movie so bad. Well, I'm going to have to go and look for that. Because Francis no, they Pugh, I'll tell you something, this is totally off, off topic, but Francis Pugh Man, bring her into the MCU because she kicks ass. I love her, at least based on this trailer. All right. 
Let's keep rolling here. Next up, Mike uh, Schwenk writes, drove over an hour to Pennsylvania from New Jersey to see New Mutants. I used to drive into Pennsylvania every once in a while. Beautiful state. Um, and was so happy just to be in the theater again. All I can say is New Mutants should have been delayed another four years and then released on MTV where it belongs. Though, um, though I will forever miss the Fox universe. You know, listen, I, I had seen it and you guys, many of you saw the video I put up. Uh, with my quick out of theater thoughts on New Mutants, overall I liked it. I mean, this the the story and the premise was really interesting, but not interesting characters, no development given to them, no real groundwork given to them. The dialogue wasn't particularly strong. I mean, there's a lot of things wrong with this movie. There's a lot of things wrong with this movie. And maybe, admittedly, just the fact that I was in a movie theater again watching a movie, that might have sweetened it up for me a little bit. I'm not going to deny that. But I still like the premise of it enough that I, I, I enjoyed watching it, but definitely not great. Uh, Rob, you had a chance to go see it at the drive-in. Uh, you kind of felt like me, but even a little bit less so, didn't you? Because you were really excited for this movie. Yeah, I, look, I found it to be rather disappointing i thought it was very one-dimensional when it could have been something really special i thought the way they defined the characters in the film was it was a shorthand it was rather cliche and as i was explaining to you earlier i think the movie should have opened where you saw all five the backstory of all five characters they were all being sort of gathered up at the same time and you saw why they were being gathered up and then they all wake up in this facility together. And that way you didn't really know, because it's focused on Danny Moonstar, you knew it was happening the whole time. And I understand that. That's where the Demon Bear storyline comes from. But, you know, you don't know who these characters are. Roberto da Costa, you don't understand Sunspot. You don't know who these, so it's, it, it, they just fell back on these tired cliches. Like, yeah, I'm the, I'm the guy with the upturned collar, so I'm a dick. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's right. And whenever you see the popped up collar, that means douchebag. But that was douchebaggy in 1984. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's we're 35 that's, years like later. Like I said, man, it was it was not well done. Every character was a 1.5 dimensional stereotype of a character. No development done. I mean, there's a lot of things wrong with this movie. I, at also, the end of the day, I still liked it, but yeah. Alex Brogger, whatever, she, there's one doctor in this whole facility. That so I didn't did, mind. That I didn't mind. Was, when you understand that it was supposed to be a secret place for mutants and she could be like, uh, she could be physician, security, all that because of her power set. I didn't right. mind. That part I didn't mind. That but part see, I, I didn't just, mind. What, what I missed there was that there's a there's there should have been a, a, an opposing philosophy. Like, yes, we're experimenting on these children. And all of a sudden, like, well, let's terminate her. You know, you know, the Essex Corporation. So it's Mr. Sinister is the big bad out there calling the shots. But I'm just like, no spoilers, no spoilers. It, well, yeah, but I mean, you don't see them. They're not in. It's just the the I, I just felt that. It was just lackluster. And the fact that there was only one person, you know, at this facility made it even more like I've I've heard low budget, but come on. You know. All right. Uh, next up, uh, we've got uh, Lord Shacks writes. Hey, John, love the show. It's become a daily ritual to watch a show. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate that. After so many people were recommending the show Dark, I finally decided to start watching it after becoming addicted and binging the three seasons in two days. I could not recommend it enough. I'm still only one episode in. 
I'm still in one episode in, and Rob, I think you're still two seasons in. You're still yes. getting, ready, getting ready to start season three. It is remarkable, though, how many people uh, Lord Shax has have come have written in to say, "Watch Dark, Watch Dark, Watch Dark." I'm assuming it's a slow burn because I, I, I admit, did not love the first episode, but. After I said that, I had a bunch of people write to me saying, that's not surprising. It's not surprising. Don't worry that you didn't love the first episode. It's not, you know, it, it takes a little bit, but I am going to pers persevere. I am going to push through. So many of you guys, including you, Lord Shaxx, are telling me to get in on that. And it's really cool to hear that you pinched three seasons in two days. I love it. I love it. Thanks again for writing that in. All right. Orange Hand writes, when learning the uh, the existence of a multiverse, wouldn't Batman be upset upon discovering that his parents die in nearly every other universe? You'd think the fates would give him a normal life and at least... Oh, sorry, we just had a big jump. Uh, do, 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 do. Sorry, I have to go back and find where we were. Um, yes, there we go. Okay, Orange Head. Um, in every other universe, you'd think that the fates would give him a normal life in at least one universe, but nope, he must always become Batman. Well, we already know that that's not true just from Flashpoint. There's one thing where his parents live just fine, but he doesn't. And Thomas Wayne becomes the Batman. So I don't know. Again, I, I don't think these characters, particularly Bruce Wayne, is going to care much about what's going on in the multiverse. I think Bruce Wayne is more concerned about Gotham. But yeah, again, even in Flashpoint, you see it's not all the same. You know, in, in that one Flashpoint reality, Bruce dies in the alley instead of his dad. And so his dad, in memory of his son, in that rage and vengeance, he becomes uh, Batman. Dr. Thomas Wayne becomes Batman. So, it's, so it is. There are differences, Orange Hand. There are differences. Uh, riddle me this, Batman writes. Can you clear up if or how at DC Fandom that DC slash Warner Brothers addressed Ezra Miller's attack on the fan? Or was it never addressed? Before the event, you brought up hypocrisy of Warner Brothers on the issue, but haven't heard about it since Fandom. Uh, anything addressed? Nope. Nope. Warner Brothers has adopted the... Shh, let's sweep it under the rug and hope nobody talks about it. That that's that has become their official line. I have given up any hope that they're not going to be hypocrites and at least address it after firing another guy. I'm not saying they need to fire us, but I'm saying after firing another guy for tweets. But I guess even in WB, if you're famous, you're more important and you get treated differently if you're more famous. And I was very disappointed. You know, with all the positivity I feel about Warner Brothers right now, uh, very disappointed as a fan that they didn't at least address the situation uh, when they fired another guy for tweets. So a dude putting hands on a woman and grabbing her by the throat, that is so less bad than somebody writing tweets seven years ago that we don't even need to talk about it. I mean, I was very disappointed in them. Uh, I still love what they're doing. I'm very excited for WB and what they're doing in the future under the leadership of Walter Hamada. And I'm sure the decision to just pretend it never happened was above Walter Hamada's pay grade. But uh, I'm not going to lie. Disappointed in them. I think there was hypocrisy. And um, and I'm disappointed that's the route they've chosen to take. But it, it is what it is. So there you go. All right. Uh, the Nightman writes. As of now, Black Panther 2 is scheduled for May of 2022. With Bozeman's death over under 50%, it gets delayed. While I think it's possible it keeps its date, I expect Marvel to delay the film. Also, I don't know if they uh, recast or move on. Uh, move move on Bozeman will always be T'Challa for me. Again, we were kind of addressing that a little bit earlier. Nightman, I think that from a logistics point of view, they could make this movie in time for May of 2022. Logistically, I think they can do it. 
I just don't think they will. Uh, I think they're going to say, no, nah, we're not we're not going to move. Even if they already know their plan, I don't think they're going to move on that. So we'll see, though. All right. Dave, the rave writes. Hello, John. Rob from St. Pete's, Florida. Saw New Mutants on Thursday. Ugh. Didn't know them. Didn't learn much. Expected more in plot, character development, action. Last 30 minutes was fun. We wasted. We waited so long. See Tenet at 6 p.m. Hell yeah. Uh, how about you guys? I think, Rob, when I was watching it, I dug getting little glimpses at their power, like when she would pull out the sword and whatever. But I remember thinking, yeah, um, when are we going to get some? This is a comic book movie, right? A different type of comic book movie. But when's the action going to start? When are we going to start seeing some action here? <laughs> and I was reminded this was a smaller budget film. This is a smaller budget horror kind of movie. And I thought they did a really good job making it feel creepy I'm not going to go into details, but I thought particularly with Rain, with Wolfsbane, like what her nightmares were, I thought that was hella creepy. I thought that was really creepy. But yeah, I'm not going to lie. You got all these kids who can do all this stuff and we don't really get any action until the last like 20 minutes of the film. Uh, that was unfortunate. I get it. Budget. But Rob, shouldn't they have budgeted out? Like if they realize we only have this much for visual effects, well, we got to pepper some of that in earlier. I don't know. What did you think about that aspect? Yeah, I, I just think it was sort of a missed opportunity. I mean, to me, when I was watching it, it reminded me of a New Line cinema film from 1988. And, and then I would have loved it because it would have been the first time I would have seen superheroes. But New Line used to make great little movies like The Hidden for not a lot of money. And and this was – it just felt, especially with, like you said, in the wake of Logan or something, it just felt a little, to me, lackluster. And it it it, it felt like an episode of a TV series. Dude, do you think if they had had more action throughout it, it might have elevated the experience for you or for other people? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think we should have been introduced to all five of these characters when the inciting incident that caused them all to be brought to this institute. We could have seen that happen and learned a little bit about them and who they were. So when they all wake up together, then we're like, oh, well. Now we're going to see the interplay. But it just seemed like when we saw them, they had to use this cliche shorthand because they had such a short period of time to develop these five characters. And it just I just didn't think it worked the way it should have worked. Right. Well, Rob, listen, uh, speaking of things working the way they should have worked, yes. I know you've got work to do. So I know you got a split. Uh, thank you again for being here, dude. But in the meantime, where can people follow you online? Well, first, I want to say thanks for doing this show. I, I feel that there was some catharsis to, for me doing this. So thank you for that. Well, thank but you, you for can being find here. Me, you can find me on uh, Instagram at Robert Meyer Burnett. Find me on Twitter at Burnett RM or find me on my own YouTube channel, The Burnett Work. All right, dude. Thanks a lot again for being here. And we will talk to you again tomorrow, my friend. Take care, yes, dude. Yes, sir. All right, guys. So we still have time here. So let's keep on going through all your questions. We're going to pick things up here with uh, Luis R. who writes, both Ryan Coogler and Spike Lee have said due to Bo Bowman's uh, Bozeman's privacy, they weren't aware of his illness. That's not true. Um, so I'm not sure how long Feige knew, even if he knew it all. Well, remember, a couple things to keep in mind. I don't know about Spike Lee. I haven't read Spike Lee's commentary. What Chadwick Bo or what uh, Ryan Coogler specifically said was that he was not privy to the details of his illness. And he just now found out that he had been ill the entire time he knew him. But there was nothing in that statement that suggests he didn't know he was sick at all. Uh, so that's important to note. I think it's it's a small thing, but I think that's an important thing. Also, I, I have a, a difficult time. Again, I haven't read Spike Lee's statements. 
I have, I think if you're Spike Lee and you're aware of the work of Chadwick Boseman and then you get to an event and, and you, you clearly see physically there's something very different about Chadwick. As you can see in this image like this, he clearly looks different in this picture than he did during the, the, the height of his Black Panther stuff, right? Which, of course, fans like me, what I did was I just wrote that off. I said, oh, no, no, no. He's just preparing for a role. Like, you guys remember that we did that one show where he had put out a video and everybody was really concerned about how skinny he looked. And I was like, no, no, I'm sure it's just for a role. Come on. Christian Bale did it. 50 Cent did it. It's just for a role. Well, how wrong was I? How wrong were we? Um, not to mention again, for a lot of these big, big films, there, there is insurance stuff and physicals need to be done and stuff like that. So I, I, I mean, clearly Ryan Coogler knew how much he knew. I don't know whether or not Spike Lee himself knew. I don't know. I, again, I haven't read Spike Lee's statement, so I, I can't speak to that. I'll take your word for it though. Kevin Feige, I think there's a level that he had to. And again, I just believe that Chadwick Boseman had way too much integrity. That then to try to, there's one thing trying to shield people from your suffering, which is what Ryan Coogler said, and then outright trying to be sneaky about it. And I, I just don't see that being the case. So I, I personally, again, we'll, we'll know later. It's not important right now. But if you're going to ask me, do I think Kevin Feige knew? I don't know how he wouldn't have known, especially with, you know, physicals and all that kind of stuff. I, I, I think he would have known, but uh, to how much he knew was probably limited, kind of like Ryan Coogler was. But I don't know. Uh, I don't know. It's it's, but it's a perfectly valid question to ask, man. All right. Next up, uh, Harry uh, McNutt writes, hello, John from the John Campia show. That is also me. Uh, just wanted to say uh, what I would that I would give my left testicle to have Ben back as Batman full time. Like literally me too, man. I would cut it off right now with a butter knife to have him back. Who do I talk to to get this done? Oh, dude, you know, listen, I'm very, very much looking forward to Matt Reeves Batman. I'm very much looking forward to Robert Pattinson in this role. That movie looks sick. But yes, I would love to have Ben Affleck back as Batman. I, I would love you. You guys know that's all kind of kind of yearned for for years. But listen, I, I think we're going to get a terrific. If that trailer was any indication, I think we are in for a terrific Matt Reeves Batman movie. So let's just look forward to that, my friend, and keep both testicles. All right. Uh, I have sleep uh, apnea rights. Uh, we know Gunn can make Suicide Squad PG-13 and still great, but what do you think the chances are of the movie being rated R just based off its characters, like a shark biting, biting people in half, and characters with all-around horrible attitudes and morals like Harley? Well, the all, having all-around bad attitudes, that's fine. You can do that PG-13, no problem. I do think I have nothing to base this on. But my guess is Suicide Squad will be rated R. And it's not because Birds of Prey was rated R, even though that movie didn't even need to be rated R. They just made – they. let's be honest here. Let's just call it what it is. They made uh, Birds of Prey rated R just to look cool. Ooh, look, we're rated R. Ooh, we're so edgy. I mean that's all it was. That When you watch that movie, you're like, all you had to do is take out one or two F-bombs and this movie is totally like – can be PG can be a very edgy PG 13, but whatever. I think you got to remember after Alan Horn kicked out James Gunn, 
Every single, we talked about the story in this show. Every studio, every studio in Hollywood was lining up to offer James Gunn whatever he wanted to do. Understanding James Gunn's background in filmmaking, from trauma to slither to whatever, understanding his background, the idea of saying, I'll tell you what, James, you want to do Suicide Squad? Because it was it's all these fringe characters that really seem to get James Gunn excited. You want to do Suicide Squad? You do whatever you want. No, no, we'll take the kitty gloves off. You do whatever you want. You want King Shark biting people in half? You go for it. So I'm telling you, I don't know, and I won't be surprised if it's PG-13, but my guess, my guess is going to be rated R, and that that was probably part of the appeal for James Gunn to go with them. I, I don't know that, again, and I'm not going to be shocked if it's PG-13, but my guess is it's going to be rated R. But that's just my guess. Jay Bling writes, um, Saturday night is usually Hallmark movie night for my parents, which I always avoid. But this past weekend, we opted to rewatch 42 with Chadwick Boseman on TV instead. Again, such a great performance. I'm, I'm not going to rewrite history and pretend like I loved 42. I liked it. I liked 42. I thought it could have done the legacy of Jackie Robinson a little better, but the performance of Chadwick Boseman was right on point. And, and put him on our radar. And then for me, then I saw him in Get On Up. And I'm like, oh, this is the dude from 42. Oh, my God. Uh, guys, again, if you haven't seen Get On Up and you want to see what, in my opinion, was the best Chadwick uh, Boseman performance, make sure you go treat yourself to Get On Up. Not a better movie than Black Panther or things, but but uh, oh, if you want to see what he can really do as an actor, go watch that. All right. Uh, David Crabtree writes. Uh, great deep pull regarding real American and Wyndham Rotunda. Oh, we were talking about guys. Okay, I'll, I'll fill you guys in who weren't there for open mic. Great deep pull regarding America, uh, real American and Wyndham Rotunda. Rotunda would go on to be IRS. Yes, he would. A uh, real American is actually my favorite WWF entrance music ever. Uh, lifelong Hulkamaniac here. Rick Derringer also performed my second favorite ring song for my favorite tag team of all time. Demolition. Here comes the X. Here comes the smasher. The demolition. Walking disaster, junk, 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 pain and destruction. Hey, yeah. See, I remember that stuff. Anyway, here comes the axe, here comes the smasher, the demolition, walking disaster, pain and destruction are our middle names. What an era. Loved my attitude era, but for me, 87 to 90 was my era as a wrestling fan. Uh, yes. And if you, so we, this trivia question came up. The, remember, I am a real American, which was Hulk Hogan's theme music. I brought up a deep, deep cup trivia question. That song, I'm a Real American, was not Hulk Hogan's originally. That song was somebody else's entrance song. And yes, it was Barry Wynn, the tag team of Barry Wynn and Mike Rotundo. And by the way, Mike Rotundo, who went on to become IRS, if I'm not mistaken, he is the father of the current WWE champion, Bray Wyatt. If I'm not mistaken, Bray Wyatt, uh, let me just double check to make sure I'm, I'm right. Uh, Bray uh, Wyatt... Mike Rotunda. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Bray Wyatt's real name is Wyndham Rotunda, who I guess he named him after Barry Wyndham. I didn't know that. So, yeah, anyway, so he is actually the dad of the current WWE champion. A little bit of inside stuff there. Thanks for writing that in, David. Okay, uh, next one up here. Uh, Ryan Loner writes, I feel about Chadwick Boseman much like I do about the likes of Philip Seymour Hoffman. I still remember what a tragedy that was. Uh, and Jim Henson, for what little time they actually had, they made extremely good use of it. His role uh, in increasing the viability of black-led films will echo forever. Absolutely. And you know, it's funny. I still, 
we I was talking about I was having a conversation with somebody the other day about the Mission Impossible movies. And Philip Seymour Hoffman came up. And you know what's weird? I had just done an interview with uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Uh, he got on the phone with me and we did this video interview over the phone and uh, like two weeks, I think, before he died, if I'm if I'm remembering it correctly. But in talking about his Mission Impossible thing, it I I sometimes forget that that Philip Seymour Hoffman isn't with us anymore. You know, I sometimes forget that. Uh, but absolutely well said, Ryan Loner. Well said. All right, uh, Phoenix Arising writes. Black Panther 2 theory opens with Black Panther on a mission and dies. Then his council goes to, to a room where they have Killmonger. Uh, they talk about how he was saved by Wakandan technology and Black Panther's kindness and friendship helped change his heart. Similar to Winter Soldier Redemption. I see. I, I don't know. I don't think so. I, I Whatever direction they go, I don't think they make Killmonger the new one. Killmonger was evil. You know, in Black Panther... You know, they specifically made, pardon me, they wrote in a scene where he specifically talked about, we're going to kill them, we're going to kill their children, we're going to kill them all. How many Wakandans died? How many Wakandans died as a result of Killmonger? First of all, they Killmonger died. And after that, I don't think they turned to Killmonger to be their new king. If they go that route, again, to me, the most logical thing is M'Baku. M'Baku was this close to becoming the new king of Wakanda, right? He came this close to beating T'Challa in combat for the throne. He is the head of one of the tribes. He has the right. He has the birthright to challenge for the throne. He was, if, if T'Challa wasn't there, he would have become the next king of Wakanda. Uh, so to me, if they go that route, to me, more than Shuri... The most common sense to me one is M'Baku. Now, granted, I'm a big Winston Duke fan, and I love me my M'Baku. Um, just kidding. We are vegetarians. Winston Duke as M'Baku. Can we just take a second here to appreciate how great Winston Duke is as M'Baku? I love that guy. Anyway, uh, to me, I think Mbaku makes more choice. But again, a lot of different directions they could go. A lot of different directions they could go. All right. Uh, uh, Ismail writes, John, I have a complaint. Oh, no. No more negative self-talk from you. You're awesome. You matter. You're not a nobody. Your show is important. And you have at least one person whose life is better because you do what you do. Oh, dude, thank you so much. I appreciate that very, very much. Look, when, when I say... When I'm referring to myself as a nobody, I, I'm not saying I don't have value. Of course I do. My wife is a testament. I have great value. I have a, a terrific family. I have a wonderful wife. I have great friends. Of course I have value. But, but in terms of, like for instance, there are some people who will come to me sometimes inevitably and say, you know, oh, John, you don't like Marvel. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? I don't like Marvel. Of course I like Marvel. You trash talk Disney Plus and you trash talk Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And you don't like Marvel. Because if you liked Marvel, how come you don't like have Kevin Feige come on your show? If if you liked Marvel, how come you don't like have Chris Evans come on your show sometimes to talk about Captain America? And I'm like, dude, you know I am a fucking nobody, right? <laughs> like in, in terms of like uh, influence 
and fame. And like, I am a nobody. Make no mistake about it. I am a capital N nobody. But yes, we do have our little community here, and I love our little community. I wouldn't want it any other way. I have a great time with it. But that's what I mean when I say this, Mel. That's that's just what I mean when I say that. But thank you for your kind words, dude. They do mean a lot to me, and I appreciate that very much. All right, next up, uh, He Ho writes, Hey, John, longtime viewer here. Thank you so much. Love the show. Have you ever tried reaching out to the people behind uh, that that drink you always have in your cup? I'm sure they'd actually sponsor you, you sons of bitches. Yeah, so the, the drink I'm always drinking, of course, is Zevia Cola. Uh, no artificial sweeteners. Uh, I is really grown a taste, and I, I drink a cup of it when I do the show. <sighs> anyway, I have never reached out to them, but they have reached out to me before. I actually had one of the guys from Zevia Cola reach out to me once saying, hey, John, we heard you mention our, can we send you a, a couple of cases of our soda? I'm like, hell yes. And so they have sent me like three cases, like three cases of Zevia Cola, which is great. But sponsor me, you sons of bitches. Nobody is a, nobody has been as much as I am an effing nobody. Nobody has been a higher profile advocate for Zevia Cola than me. Sponsor me by next week. It should be the John Cavey show sponsored by Zevia Cola. Do it. You sons of bitches. All right. Thanks a lot for that. Hero. Star killer rights. I think uh, Denzel's son can replace Chad as black Panther. Uh, John David Washington's a terrific actor, but again, there's, there's many terrific actors who look, there's no replacing Chadwick Boseman. There is a difference between replacing and carrying on for. It's not just a semantic difference. It is there's a literal difference. Like that um, Lethal Weapon show they did. They replaced the lead actor. Fairly or unfairly, they replaced Rhodey in Iron Man with Don Cheadle. We talked about that earlier. But then there are roles like Dumbledore where you bring in another actor to carry on for, to pick up that actor's interpretation of the character and try to keep the integrity of that actor's interpretation of the character alive so you come on and you pick up that burden for them and you carry on for them. I believe there is a massive difference between replacing and carrying on for. And look, there are many, many very, very good actors who could carry that on. I don't like to get into the X actor and X role, but John David Washington, man, I love him in Black Klansman. And I'm looking forward to seeing him in Tenet. And I really liked him in Ballers. But he's not the only guy. There's also many out there who could do it, uh, who are good, talented actors. So I don't like to get in the minutia of X actor and X role. Uh, all right. Spencer Neeson writes, John. I have the great I have the greatest brother in the world. I live in Portland, Oregon. My wife has gone there a few. My wife loves Portland. I've never been there myself. Uh, no theaters here are open. And for our birthday, my twin is taking me on a road trip uh, on August 31st to see movies in theaters, The New Mutants in Salem, and then Tenet and IMAX in Eugene. That is a good trip. And you're right, dude. Don't under don't fail to appreciate. How great of a brother you have that's taking you on that trip, dude. That's pretty awesome. So listen, if this is for your birthday, happy birthday to you, my friend. May you have a glorious day and a glorious year ahead of you, my friend. And I hope you have a good time. Stay safe, though, too. Like, it's great to go back to the movies. But if you get in there and you don't see rules being enforced and you see people acting recklessly, get out. Get out. But hopefully you'll have as good of an experience as I did when I went to, uh, when I went to Nevada. Murray Reich writes, uh, in a... 
in a year 2020 where it's been very tough, one movie has given me a smile on my face, and that's Bill and Ted 3. So great to see these guys back again, even if they're old. Uh, their chemistry was great. Not as great as the originals, but this movie was surprisingly good. I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't think Bill and Ted 3 was great. Now, granted, I also took a little bit of a stomach punch in the fact that I was in the third act of Bill and Ted 3 watching it when I saw the news that Chadwick Boseman had passed away. So that that didn't help. I honestly didn't think it was great. It was very cool to see these guys on screen together again. But like, I thought the daughters were terrible. It's like, really? The mothers had no influence on these girls? Like, at all? Like, zero influence on these girls. They're just complete carbon copies of their dads. I thought that was kind of lame. I'm like, is, okay, so why does people playing music across the different times cause the universe to realign? How does that work? Never mind. I mean, I don't know. But again, but I'll say this, though. Even though I didn't really like it, I got to say the last 20 minutes I enjoyed. I I didn't really enjoy any of the rest of it, but the last 20 minutes, I, it felt pretty good. I got to say, I'll give it that. I'll give it that. So I didn't hate it, but uh, I, I personally wasn't a big fan of it myself, but eh, that's just me. All right. Uh, Anonymous writes, back off, man. I'm a scientist. I don't know. What is that from? Hold on a second. Let me see if I can look it up. Back off, man. I'm a scientist. What is that from? Is that Ghostbusters? It's Ghostbusters. Back off, man. I'm excited. That's I didn't remember that off the top of my head, but it totally makes sense. All right. Thanks for that, Anonymous. Next up, Murray Reich writes, the movie actually was really funny. Uh, going back to Bill and Ted 3, I'm sure. Uh, the return of death character was also great. The death character was pretty good. That's part of the last 20 or 30 minutes that I did enjoy. Uh, he's not in the movie a lot, but his presence on screen is worth every penny. Not crazy over Rufus's daughter's character. Yeah, yeah. It's nice film to watch just to make your day. Also, I didn't like the robot. The robot was just dumb. The robot was just dumb. The death character was pretty cool. But the robot was just pretty dumb. Uh, let's see. Taj and Cars writes, one of two. My girlfriend and I were driving down the mountain to Lake Tahoe when the CNN notification hit my phone. I involuntarily screamed, almost causing my girlfriend to lose control of the car. Like you said Saturday, we will always remember where we were. I know that you hate the ex-actor talk, but I really, really hope that Kevin Feige has seen Invisible Man 2020 or a small film called Brian Banks because SAG award-winning actor Aldous Hodge has the chops, the physique, and uh, lives like a role model. I, again, I, I don't think that's important. I, I really don't think that's important. There are many, many actors. Uh, again, when they cast, remember this, when they cast Chadwick Boseman, 80% of the people out there said, who? Because almost nobody had seen 42 or seen uh, Get On Up. So everybody would have gone, who? But I... Like there were a few of us who had seen those movies like, oh my God, that guy from Get On Up. Yes. Like I, and I think if, if, and that's a big if, if they choose to bring in another actor to carry on for Chadwick with this iconic character, this, this legacy character, this important character culturally uh, of T'Challa, if they decide to do that. I think there's, it doesn't have to be, there's no one actor that's like, anybody who says the only person that could do it, no, 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 just stop that nonsense right now. There is not only one person out there who maybe could do it. If you get a talented, gifted, gifted actor to come in to be committed to carrying on 
what Chadwick Boseman did, and you focus on talent as opposed to who's the more famous or who do we know, just like they did when they cast Chadwick Boseman the first time. I think they'll be in good hands. But again, that doesn't mean they'll go that way. There's other ways they can go. It's going to be interesting to see how that all turns out. Anyway, Tash, I'm glad you and your girlfriend did not get into a car accident as a result of your thing. But yes, by the way, all this Hodge in Invisible Man, I love him in that. Just I love that movie in general. That movie is fantastic. It was made for like $7 million. It's crazy. Uh, but Dog writes, in Houston, there's an Asian fusion cafe internationally designed after Sid Mead's work on Aliens and Blade Runner. Really? There's great food and it captures the spirit of my sci-fi fandom. Uh, is there a place that similarly captures the spirit of your film fandom? Ooh, that's a good one. You know what? Uh, for, for a very different reason. For a very different reason. I mean, yeah, you can go to Disneyland and go into the to the cantina in Star Wars, uh, in Galaxy's Edge, and that's pretty cool. Like, you go in there, you feel like you're in Star Wars. That's great. But there was a place, when I first moved to Hollywood, I got an, apart an apartment uh, right in Hollywood on Sunset Boulevard um, called the uh, – what was the name of the apartments again? The – Damn it, I can't remember the name of the apartments. But at any rate, it was literally right across the street on Sunset Boulevard from the strip club called Seventh Vale that would be in the intro credits of uh, Entourage. If you ever watch Entourage, whenever they're doing the intro credits, they're driving down Sunset Boulevard. They always did this big close-up shot of Seventh Vale, the strip club. That was literally Poinsettia Apartments. That's the name of the apartments I lived in, the Poinsettia Apartments on Sunset right in Hollywood and um, right up the street, the next street over was a street called Formosa. And if you went up the street on Formosa, there was this classic Hollywood that had been established in like the fifties called the Formosa cafe. And I had a couple of filmmakers on different occasions, take me there and you would go in there and you would just feel the history of Hollywood in there. And of course it's loaded with the pictures of all the biggest biggest God names in the history of Hollywood that would come in there and frequent there and go there every day. And still to that day, it was right up the street from like studios and people would come in there all the time. And it, even though it's a little bit different, like a Blade Runner themed or a Star Wars themed place, I went, I would go into that place once in a while and you just feel the history of it. So that's something, uh, butt dog, that really worked, uh, really worked for me. All right, just time for a couple more here, guys, and we got to wrap up. The Wakandan Forever writes, John, I have to thank you as well as Fifty Shades of Geek and Preston the Kryptonian, who wrote with their support and concern for me personally and all the touching tributes to Chadwick Boseman, King T'Challa. We are all one tribe, Wakanda Forever. I, and listen, no, seriously, it's one of the great things about the fan community, Wakandan Forever, is when everybody can rally around together celebrate uh, the life and the career and the art that we did get from somebody like Chadwick Boseman and what these films mean to a lot of people and mean to us. And it's great that we get to do that as a community. So thank you for sharing that thought, man. All right. Final question of the, t of the day today, guys. And then we were out of time. Uh, if they're able to make it work, I believe Winston Duke could carry the mantle as the new Black Panther. He's a good screen presence and his character M'Baku uh, would might and force to Black Panther, would bring might and force to Black Panther. He battled T'Challa in order to become Black Panther. Again, 
yeah, that's something I was mentioning before. Like narratively, again, if you don't want to carry on the T'Challa character, and I hope that they do and I think that they will, but if they don't and they want to say another character takes on the mantle of Black Panther, narratively, the one that makes most sense is M'Baku. He's the next in line. He's the one who challenged for the throne. So when it comes up to the throne again, people are going to get to challenge for it. And who's going to beat M'Baku? Nobody is going to beat M'Baku uh, in that in a, in a hand-to-hand combat fight. The only person that was going to do it was T'Challa, who did barely beat him to maintain that throne. I think for, for that reason, narratively, M'Baku... Uh, is a good one to go with. All right, guys, listen, we still have questions to go from Anonymous, The Sock, uh, Edward Wells, and a, and a number of others. But we, again, we've got, because of the way YouTube works with live streams, we have to keep this to two hours or else we lose the first part of the show, unfortunately. So we've got to call it out. But don't worry, guys, tomorrow's show, we will start with your questions. And again, we didn't have a show on Thursday or Friday, so we're a little bit behind. But listen, we will get to all of your questions. We will kick things off with your questions questions tomorrow. We'll start things off. We'll get through everybody's questions tomorrow. 100%. All right, guys, that will do it for me for now for this installment of the John Campia show. Thank you guys so much for being here. Thanks to Robert Meyer Burnett. Thank you to all of you for making the show part of your day. And a special thank you to all you guys who sent in the the uh, the live questions because number one, you gave us great fun things to talk about. And number two, you supported this channel while you did it. Guys, please do the four main things. Stay smart, stay safe, take care of yourselves and take care of the people around you. That will do it for me for now, guys. Until tomorrow, my name is John Campia. And until next time, my friends, Bozeman forever.